Good morning, everyone. It's so good to be able to be here with you. I want to greet our Maple Grove campus as well, and I am with you on the screen and in spirit today. And uh, it's great to be able to continue this series of messages on setting the table and really capturing the heart of hospitality and invitation that God has as he reaches out to the world. How many of you really want to hear God's voice today as we uh, open the scripture? Why don't we ask him to speak to us and we prepare our hearts to receive his word. Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for your word because it's efficient. It never returns void. God, it's, it's uh, piercing more than any double-edged sword. You've taught us, God, that it reaches into the deepest part of our soul and our being. And God, it carries out your purpose and your will in us. God, I ask that you would speak into us your truth. Lord, I ask that the same voice that created the heavens and the earth and everything that's in them would speak into our lives today and that you would create in us your purposes and your plans. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. It's great to, uh, to be able to be with you today. And I love what we've been doing throughout these uh, past couple weeks Today is we're concluding our series on setting the table. Love the, uh, the, the, the prop, and uh, we've got this at each of our campuses, a table set up like this. Just an illustration and a reminder of all the, all the work and all the energy and everything that's poured into getting uh, ready to receive guests. It's appropriate because we're in Thanksgiving weekend, or, you know, this Thanksgiving week. I mean, we got that coming up. How many of you guys are actually hosting uh, Thanksgiving at your home this week, right? So you guys are like, you're, you're in crunch mode right now, unless you froze the turkey a couple weeks ago and uh, started getting everything ready. You're probably borrowing chairs or pulling out card tables and getting everything ready uh, to be able to receive family and friends. There's a lot of energy, a lot of preparation that goes into hosting. And uh, in, in this series, we've really looked at the fact that God has prepared and done many things uh, beforehand for us and for many people that have yet uh, to know him. Now we're going to go to uh, the book of Luke, and one of the one of the things I love about the series is that we've been able to to kind of base our our teaching on on a, on a key scripture. And one of the remarkable things about the Bible is that we can read it over and over and over, year after year, and we can always find fresh truth in it. We can always find new things that God speaks into our life. So would you turn with me? Let's look at the book of Luke. And uh, we're going to go to chapter 14. And rather than starting exactly at the portion that we're going to be reading, we're going to look into uh, a few verses before um, the, the verse that we've been going over the past couple weeks. And uh, we're going to look at verse 1. Now it says that on a Sabbath day, Jesus went to eat dinner in the home of a leader of the Pharisees, and the people were watching him closely. There was a man there whose arms and legs were swollen, and Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts in the religious law, is it permitted in the law to heal people on the Sabbath day or not? When they refused to answer, Jesus touched the sick man and healed him and sent him away. Then he turned to them and said, which of you doesn't work on the Sabbath? If your son or cow falls into a pit, don't you rush to get him out? Again, they could not answer. Now, I love that the whole setting of, of this chapter that we're reading today, uh, it happens at a dinner table. And Jesus would often share meals with people. He was known to be a friend of sinners, never could be accused of being a sinner. 
There was no, no legitimate uh, accusation against him for being a sinner. But he was always open to having friendships and relationships with people of all walks of life. And he didn't only hang out and break bread and, uh, and, and have dinner with sinners, with people that were far from God, far from the values of God. He also spent time with experts of religious law, people who were, were very uh, meticulous in how they lived out their, their faith. And they were so meticulous that they took great pride in this. And they would be quick to point out things that other people were doing wrong. And so he's at the house of a Pharisee, of someone who's very devoted to, uh, to observing the law. And, uh, and, and it looks like they know each other. You can kind of gather this by the dynamics that are happening at the dinner table. Uh, you know, he's, he, uh, he, he looks at them, and they're paying close attention to him. It's almost like they're kind of studying each other as they're at the dinner table. I don't know what your Thanksgiving uh, meal is going to look like, what conversations are going to come up. Some of you might feel like you're walking into a, a, a mind camp, you know, where you're, you know, a field filled with landmines, and, and, uh, and, and, and you just, you're like, oh, I hope they don't bring this up. Let's just stick to weather and, uh, and sports, maybe. And then maybe sports is, a, you know, a button pusher. Uh, but when, when they're at this dinner table, Jesus is watching them, and they're watching him, and, uh, and he brings up this question. There's this guy that's got drops. He's got swollen legs, swollen uh, arms. And, and he says, hey, you guys, you guys know the scripture, you know the law. Is it legitimate? Is it, is it okay to work, to heal, to, to bring about God's restoration on a day of rest? And notice that they all, they all refused to answer. They kind of played with their food and they were kind of looking around, you know, not avoiding eye contact. They're like, ah, he's going to do this again. He always brings up, they're trick questions. Don't answer them. Don't make eye contact. <laughs> Act like, act like, just kind of nod your head and stare at your placemat, right? And, uh, and, and so he says, says to the guy, come over here. And then he reaches out his hand and heals him. And then, and he's like, thank you so much. I needed an illustration to really teach a message and uh, bonus for you. You got healed, right? And, uh, and then he turns again to them and says, is it not okay to work on the Sabbath on the day of rest? And, and there again, they're kind of like staring the other way and, and he says, hey, who of you, if you have like a cow or, or your son falls into a pit and you're like, oh, sorry, it's the Sabbath, you know, son, I'll be back tomorrow with a rope. <laughs> my heart's with you until then, right? Uh, but I really can't do it. My hands are tied. I can't help you. Out. No one would do that. Everyone would jump in and help him out. And he says, let's not be hypocritical. We become perfectionistic in observing all the details, but we lose the heart behind the rule. And so he's sitting at the table, and, and things are coming up in the conversation, and he's like sending out these nuggets of truth right here. He's, he's communicating that Jesus loves interruptions. And he's saying there's never a bad time to minister a miracle. How many say amen to that? It's never inconvenient to God, to be able to hear of our need and to be able to stretch out his hand and bring healing or restoration or provision. Then when he noticed that all had come to the dinner table and were trying to sit in the seats of honor, we're in verse 7 now, near the head of the table, he gave them this advice. So now he's studying them. When you are inviting to a wedding feast, when you're invited, don't sit at the seat of honor. What if someone who is more distinguished than you has also been invited and the host will come and say, <clears throat> give this person your seat? 
then you will be embarrassed and you will have to take whatever seat is left at the foot of the table. So he's watching them. We're kind of jockeying and kind of through conversation. You know when people talk to you and they're looking over your shoulder and uh, you're like, oh, you're just looking right through me. You're not even paying attention to what I'm saying. That's what was happening here. And, uh, and, 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 and they're kind of trying to uh, sneak up and find the places of, of honor and, and trying to kind of get close to the places where the real conversation is going to happen. And what Jesus is saying is humility is in your best interest. What the nugget that he brings up then, the truth he brings up is be humble or be humbled, right? You're going to end up sitting at the kids' table during Thanksgiving if you don't, <laughs> if you don't behave yourself, right? Be humble or be humbled. Then he goes on. Then he turns to his host, and, and the host is probably like, okay, now finally, you know, things are going to kind of lose. He's kind of grumpy today, you know. <laughs> Jesus is, you know, he's coming. He's kind of being very direct, very blunt with us, but he's probably going to thank me for all the, you know, preparations and all the efforts that I put into this. And, and he turned to the host, and he says, when you put a luncheon on a luncheon or banquet, he said, don't invite your friends, brothers, relatives, or rich neighbors. For they will invite you back, and, they will, and that will be your only reward. Instead, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. Then, at the resurrection of the righteous, God will reward you for inviting those who could not repay you. Gulp. And then the host is just kind of sitting there, and, uh, and, and there's just this moment of awkward silence. And again, people are playing with the food on their, on their plate because they don't know what to do or how to, how to kind of relieve the tension in the air. And, uh, and the host is, you know, he's got little beads of sweat that are starting to drop down. And they're like, oh, no, you know, he's really on a roll now. What is he going to come up with next? You know, is he going to point out other things? And here, this is a pretty proud group that are used to telling people how, what, it, what it is and, you know, what they need to do. And they're not used to being confronted with things that they need to dress and change in their own life. And it, and it looks to me by, by this following verse that there was someone who was really excited with that final phrase, you know, about, you know, the resurrection of the righteous and God rewarding you for, for investing in those who cannot repay you. The nugget that Jesus was teaching was that being self-serving offers shallow rewards. If you only do things for people who can repay or who can correspond to you, then you're going to get shallow rewards. Do things selflessly so that God can reward you a hundredfold for the efforts, the generosity that you are extending, right? And, and this one guy, he's just, he's noticing the awkward silence. He's looking around and everyone's just kind of quiet, chewing their food. And he's like, I got to say something. Uh, I got to, I got to, I got to kind of break this, this moment. You know, it's going to get ugly in here and he just can't help him. So how many of you guys are like that? You're like, I, I can't deal with silence. I got to say something. And, uh, and, and that something that we say isn't always the most brilliant idea that we've come up with, right? <laughs> Sometimes the filter isn't really uh, put in there right and just stuff comes out we haven't thought about it. And then we're like, whoa, that was unfortunate. And, uh, <laughs> and this guy says, hearing this, a man sitting at the table, he's, he gets excited. And he says, what a blessing it will be to attend a banquet in the kingdom of God. It's kind of like a generic... Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Transition to another moment, right? And uh, what is, Jesus kind of looks at him. This I'm imagining right now. I'm speculating on what happened here. He kind of looks at him. He's like, I, I, I so want to give you a nugget uh, right now of truth. Uh, wh what am I supposed to say? Amen? Am I supposed to say, hey, settle down, control your enthusiasm? 
Am I supposed to say, hey, think about what you're saying before you let it out? And, uh, and, and, and he wasn't that far off base. I mean, we got Revelation 19.9. There's almost exact wording, exactly, you know, it's, it's parallel to what this guy said. Blessed are those who are inviting to the wedding feast of the Lamb. So he's not, he's, he's thinking in terms of something that's correct doctrinally, but his heart is mistaken. Because he's thinking, he's like, oh, this is so great. This is going to, you know, when it's, when it's just us. In heaven, can you imagine how great that's going to be? And just us, just us VIPs, right? And no one else. And it's just exclusive. It's the creme of the creme. We are the best of the best. And uh, we're the remnant of the remnant. And, uh, and we are the ones that are going to be, can you imagine what a blessing that'll be? I know I'm going to be there, and I think some of you guys might make it too. And, uh, and Jesus looks at him, and he's like, this is so distant, far from the heart of the Father and uh, at that point, you know, he's just like ellipsis, kind of little, three little dots. He's looking at him. He's like, nah, I, can't, I can't let this go. Some truths are best told in stories, right? And that's when he goes into the story that we've been looking at uh, throughout the series of Set the Table. Let's look at it together again. Luke uh, 14, verse 16. Jesus replied with this story. A man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guests, Come, the banquet is ready. But they all began making excuses. One said, I have just bought a field and I must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five pairs of oxen and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. Another said, I now have a wife. I can't come. He didn't say, please excuse me. The servant returned and told his master what they had said. The master was furious, and he said, Go quickly. Everyone say, Go quickly. Into the streets and alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. After the servant had done this, he reported, There's still room for more. So his master said, Go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone. Everyone say, Anyone you find to come so that the house will be full. For none of those I first invited will get even the smallest taste of my banquet. Now everyone's sitting around and they're looking, they're like, oh, yeah, he's still on the same channel. He's, he's on the rebuking channel right now. And I think we're catching what he's saying. But what he's saying is you guys are being narrow-minded and thinking of, of who's going to be able to be at that banquet. God's heart is that his house will be filled. He's, he's about going out, about, about reaching more, not about being exclusive, but about being inclusive of as many, of finding anyone. Look behind the hedges. Look wherever you can. Bring people in because the banquet table is set. And through this story, I mean, we really get a good, clear picture of God's grace. Picture God's grace with me. Everything is already set. The table is set. The food is prepared. The home smells great. Someone's vacuumed. In my house, it's usually me. And uh, everything has been, there's a lot of effort that's been, you know, set in motion to be able to prepare this great event, this big banquet. And what happens is, is uh, the invitation is sent out. You know, you get an invitation. You're like, okay, hey, yeah, can I bring like a salad or a dessert or something or chips? And, uh, and, and, and usually, you know, if everything's prepared, they'll say, no, just, just all you need to bring is yourself. You guys ever heard that? 
Bring yourself. You're invited. Come on. And this is about God's grace. It's about his glorious riches. It's about him having inexhaustible resources of love, of blessing, of, of mercy, of hospitality. The, we just sang of the beautiful name of Jesus, the glorious, the wonderful, the powerful name of Jesus. There's, there's so much that God has already prepared and done. We don't have to add anything to it. It's complete. Jesus said as he hung on the cross at the end, it is done. It's complete. There's nothing left to add. Everything is offered. Everything is prepared. And you know what? God's grace doesn't operate on a budget. That's the good news. Amen? So you're like, okay, I mean, should I pull these candles out now or do I save them for Christmas? You know? Uh, what do we do? You know, we, all, we are used to operating on a budget. Remember when uh, my wife, Leah, and I got married in the year 2000? Makes it really easy to track which number of anniversary we're at, right? 16. And... Uh, I can't, I can't recommend that to anyone because you can't go back in time and, and do the same thing, right? But uh, so we got married, and it was winter down in Argentina. It was, it was uh, we, you know, Ali is a pastor's kid, and uh, my dad was a president at the, at the Bible college down there. We just, we had a ton of friends, people that we knew, and we had this big decision to make. We, we, we had to decide if we were going to have a kind of a smaller wedding and, uh, and make it kind of a little bit better production in, in the food and everything, and, uh, and be exclusive. Oh, there's, you guys are laughing because some of you have never seen me with, my, with hair on the other side of my, my head, right? You grow it where you can, right? And, uh, and so then, I don't know, it looks the same. That's, you know, these are, hey, thank God they're in color at least, right? They're kind of blurry. Don't, don't wipe your glasses or anything. But uh, the, uh, we invited, it, there was, there's people standing at the back. There's a balcony up there. There was people kind of standing out the doors. Upward of 600 people ended up showing up. Now, this is what happened. We had to decide, do we do kind of a little more of a, uh, intimate, uh, smaller gathering and risk, you know, inviting just a handful of people? Or do we just invite anyone who can come and just open it up, put it in the newspaper or something, Right. And it uh, didn't take us long. We decided to be very uh, broad in our invitation. We had youth groups that brought buses to our wedding. Who does that? It's like a youth group outing. We're going to get in a bus and go to this guest speaker's wedding together. And sign-up sheet, you know, and uh, it was bizarre. And, uh, and I, I, this is for real. I mean, this has actually happened. True story. And that what we had to decide, okay, now that we're just opening it up and inviting everyone, what are we going to do? We have a budget for our generosity, right? And uh, I don't want to use it all on food. I wanted some for the honeymoon, too. And, and what happened was we had a friend that was a caterer. And, uh, and this friend said, okay, I've got, I got some tricks up my sleeve. What we're going to do is the following. You come with me. Go to the Central Market where all the restaurants buy their food. We're going to buy three types of cheese. You following me? Yes. Three types of cheese. So I'm writing them down. Then what we're going to do, we're going to come bring them back, and we're going we're to carve holes into some of those cheeses. We're going to make them look like six types of cheese. Got it? Six types of cheese. So three multiplied. Then we're going to spread some Italian herbs and oregano on a couple of them. We'll turn them into eight types of cheese. You got it? <laughs> following you, boss. Whatever you say. And, uh, and then he's like, okay, I'm not done. 
get me all the mirrors in your house, your mother-in-law's house, friends, friends' mirrors, anything you can. It's like, or are you going to like set up a, a mirror labyrinth or maze or something? What are you going to do? No, no, we're going to use it as a spread. We're going to put all the cheese on top of the mirrors, and it eight types turns into 16 types of cheese. <laughs> Brilliant. Now I can't invite you over. You're being like, why is there mirrors on the table? It's all <laughs> illusions, you know? And, uh, and, and I was looking for pictures of, 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 of you know, our spreads. Because it was, you eat with your eyes before you do with your mouth, right? You're like, ooh, ah. And then it's, oh, it's really shallow. And uh, <laughs> this tastes like, just like the other one, right? <laughs> and... Uh, I, I was looking for a picture to show you the spread because it was just brilliant, but my photographer got so caught up with taking pictures of, of out-of-focus leaves of plants right in front of us that, uh, you know, he's, he's like a botanist or something. I don't know what, what the deal was. But uh, anyway, we always operate on generosity based on a budget, but God doesn't work that way. His grace, uh, it's, everything's prepared. All you need to do is show up. But you know what? A banquet is incomplete without an invitation. And now picture this. Picture God's invitation. Jesus himself was telling this story, but he modeled this story because he would invite people to himself. He would say, come follow me. He didn't say, hey, here's an invitation or let me sell you a ticket to a great banquet my, my father is setting up. And I'll give you a good deal, discount, 10 or more. I'll give you a great discount, right? Uh, no, he's saying, this is free. You don't need to pay anything. You just need to come and attend. And, uh, and he doesn't say, here's the address, and I'll, here, give me your, your number, and I'll, and I'll send you a pin, and then you just plug it in and, uh, and show up. Good luck. No, he says, I'll go with you. He doesn't point you in the general direction. He says, come with me. Let's go together. Sit with me. I want, I want to be together. Walk with me. Let's do life together. Jesus invited to himself. He didn't force people. He didn't impose. God doesn't. He, he doesn't uh, impose. Jesus invites. He doesn't impose. He didn't kidnap people and turn them into disciples. He didn't force them to become followers. He invited them. In fact, at one point when John 6, they're all like, yeah, we're tired of fish and bread and can't you make something else? Bacon on it or something like that. And uh, he's like, sorry, guys. You know, I'm not here to, you know, to continue to provide uh, free meals for you. There's other aspects, facets to the journey of faith. And they're like, oh, we don't want to follow you. And he's, then he turns to the 12 and he says, are you guys going to abandon me or are you going to keep on following me? No, we're with you. We're with you. Peter says, you know, who else will we go to? Only you have words of, of true life. And uh, Jesus invited them. He didn't force them. He didn't coerce them. He didn't guilt them into following. It was an open invitation. And as he invited them to himself, he led them to uh, the Father, led them into faith, led them into hope. Now, if I am a follower of Jesus, I must be an inviter. Because if I am following his example and his model, and he is an inviter, then I must be an inviter. I can't follow Jesus without being an inviter. And following the example of Jesus uh, helps me really grasp the, 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 the fact that the banquet is incomplete without guests, and so the gospel is incomplete without an invitation. It's only good news if it's delivered, right? And that sits with us. Now, the invitation 
offers a window of opportunity. The last verse that we read, it's about, oh, you're never going to be able to taste uh, the banquets that I gave you because God respects the rejection of an invitation. If we deny and we say no, he's not going to impose that on us. We're the ones that miss out. But we don't know what the window of opportunity is. We can't speculate with that. We can't, we can't play with that. All we know, only God knows when the last window of opportunity is for someone. All we know is that we hold invitations in our hand and that we're meant to distribute those and give those out. All we know is that there's room at the table and that there's people that have reserved seating and they only need to find out about it. Now, there's a banquet etiquette as well. I don't, I don't want to continue going on uh, more, but for give you some homework here. The rest of chapter 14 of Luke goes into the cost of being a disciple. It talks about carrying your cross every day. So it's the first half is really about that grace, that invitation. But then there's banquet etiquette. Once you accept the invitation of grace, it involves embracing life change as well. So as you, you know, there's another parable he tells in, in Matthew about a guy that showed up and he didn't have the banquet clothes on. And he was, he was disrespecting the, uh, the preparation and the honor that was due to that, that event. It's a parable. But what Jesus is saying is as you embrace, as you accept that invitation, it will lead you into life abundance, into life change. How many say amen to that? That's why Paul would say, therefore I prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, worthy of your invitation, for you have been called, you've been summoned, you've been invited by God. Let's live lives worthy of the invitation we've received. And Bonhoeffer spoke of this principle best when he talked about costly grace, talked about uh, losing our life to find it and surrendering to win. That's the paradox and the mystery of grace and of faith. Amen? We win when we surrender to him, when we trust him. Now, picture God's guest list. We pictured his grace. We pictured the invitation. Picture his guest list. We all think we have a really good grasp of who's on the guest list, who should be there and who shouldn't, right? Uh, and we, we're like, oh, yeah, I, of course, I know you're going to be in heaven. You're going to be in heaven. I'm not so sure about you. Maybe I wouldn't bet money on it. And then, uh, no, definitely not. No, no, yes, no, no, yes. Yes. Oh, that's a mirror, of course. Yes, right? <laughs> uh, we think we really have a good grasp on this, but what God is going to do is he's going to stretch our minds. The same guy at the banquet table, he was thinking very much in, in terms of, of the remnant of the Jewish people, and Jesus just begins to stretch that concept and that idea and, and, and help him to see that God has a heart for the world, for humanity. And, uh, and he confirms through this that there's no room for exclusivity, for being exclusive at the banquet table. Uh, every, you know, it's, everyone is a VIP at God's banquet. It's not only for the likely, those who can afford five pair of oxen, which, by the way, how do you test five pair of oxen? Do you make them race? Do you have them, like, do a tug-of-war? How do you, you know, it's just it, questions for heaven, right? It's also for those who are hiding behind the hedges, hiding behind the closed drapes, as we said over the years. The master of the banquet is saying, go out quickly. There's still room for more. Go out so the house will be full. 
And in this, Jesus taps into promises of old. Hosea would say in chapter 2, verse 23, And those I call not my people, I will say, Now you are my people. And they will reply, You are my God. It's talking about us, about those of us who don't have Jewish lineage, the Gentiles. And then Peter would say in 2 Peter 3, 9, that God does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent, to pursue life change. Then Paul would say in Romans 10, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How many say amen to that? But, verse 14, but how can they call on him unless they have believed in him? And how can they believe in him unless they have, if they've never heard about him? And how will they hear about him unless someone tells them, unless someone invites them? God is counting on us to carry those invitations out, to reach them. It's an ever-expanding uh, circle. You know, in the parable, Luke, Luke uh, talks about, you know, first it's the guest list, right? Oh, no, he's getting married, and oh, he just got married, and oh, he's got field, he's got oxen. No, they've turned you down. Okay, go out. Go out within the city, go into the alleys. Go and find the cripple, the lame, those who were deemed unclean. Go, bring them, bring them. There's, there's spot, I have spots for them. The banquet is ready. He goes out, and then he says, we still got room. Okay, go out beyond the city limits. Go out in, outside of the town. Go, go, go far beyond the limits of, or the scope of our city and find the people who are, who are homeless, that are sleeping behind hedges, who, who don't have a place to call home, and bring them. They are welcome at my banquet. So there's concentric circles that, that are expanding. It's, it's more and more people. It's not only the ones that are real close, the ones that we're already familiar with. It's the ones that, that, that we might not have much in common with. And then it's the ones who are far beyond and the same Luke would, would have kind of the same, the same approach uh, in, in how he describes the words of Jesus to his disciples, to us. In Acts 1.8 it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. Concentric circles that keep on growing we have the, 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 the blessing and the benefit of our heritage as Pentecostals because we have a local commitment to where God has planted us, but we have a global vision for what God wants to do through us. How many say amen to that? So we're not, here's the thing, we can, we can be, neglect one circle at the expense of the other. We can be so focused on, on, on the here and now and, the, and the, where we're at that we can lose sight of our responsibility in the world. But then we can also be so focused on what's happening on the other side of the planet that we lose sight of the need that's in our backyard. God is not setting up an either-or scenario. He's asking us to do both and in, in reaching locally and also globally. I love what, what God is doing through us here at Emmanuel. I love, uh, his, he's called us to love. He's called us to serve. He's, 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 he's given us hope to bring to his family here, to our community, and also to the world. Let me tell you about some of the things, the great things that have happened just recently within, within our church. Some of the things that, you know, within our city here, within neighborhoods or cities that are nearby, within our state, within, you know, our country and within our world. Some of the things that you are a part of here at Emmanuel. Uh, Tim and Ginger Olson, dear friends that were on staff here, we sent them out to help them plant a church in East Bethel, right? 
And uh, they wrote and said that at Cedar Ridge uh, Church, they've had 35 people that have been attending these outreach uh, and, and, and hangouts that they've set up for men and women. They've had six new families that were far from faith that have just joined their church over, over the fall. They've had 10 people that have made decisions for Christ that did not know him prior to that. You are part of that story as well because we are sending them to make a difference there. Amen. One of our youth youth leaders, I had a little dyslexic moment there, sorry. Leith Uters. (laughs) Youth leaders, uh, Jen Sargent, just, uh, no one knows her. Uh, No, I'm just just kidding. She she went to Romania to work and help rescue uh, young women and girls from human sex trafficking. And I love the hashtag. That's... And I love the hashtag that she uses with, with her post. She's, it's, a one, it's a one-way ticket to Romania. It's a one, it, this is a life commitment. She's gone out, and we want to be part of that story of helping to support and, uh, and reach the people. I love the report we got from one of our partners, Venture Expeditions. Four uh, young kids were rescued from human trafficking within the last two weeks. We partner with them to make a difference throughout our world. Amen? I love, I love what, the, what our youth have, have embarked on as they've, they've looked at four different projects and within each of the, the different connect groups and within the whole youth group, they've looked at uh, adopting one of these different projects, either Water Wells or Convoy of Hope or Free International, which works with uh, helping break that, the, the, the nasty scheme of human trafficking and, and also working with Syrian refugees. And so different groups adopted each of these different projects and, and goals, and they went above and beyond what they had at hand, and they began getting creative and looking at how they could make a difference within the world. And uh, after raking leaves, they've you know, seen a lot of, I saw the uh, mannequin challenge uh, posts on that, raking leaves. Probably took you guys a lot longer to rake those yards after you know, filming all that. Uh, but they uh, uh, baked and sold uh, hundreds of egg rolls, they sold cars, and they did all kinds of different things. Sold uh, Papa Murphy cards outside of Sam's and raised $2,000 in a weekend. You know how much our youth have been able to raise uh, on Wednesday night? $35,289.35. That's part of our family. This is part of what we are about It's not only about the contactless. It's about going beyond the city limits. It's about reaching far and beyond. We we begin an initiative in the Arabian Peninsula where we uh, we we helped establish a place for hope where there was nothing there. We just got a report from our our partners over there that there is uh, 70 local people that are that are uh, now being uh, discipled gospel-centered evangelism discovery bible studies 70 local people that didn't exist a year ago and that's thanks to what you have prayed about what you have given towards let's give it up for god for what he is doing amen thank you jesus and we also helped, we partnered with a, a church plant in New Orleans. We're actually gonna be going there with a, with a team. I'll have the privilege of leading that in February. And I want, I want you to hear firsthand from our partners, from our, our church planters, 
uh, Wayne and Christy Northup, about the impact that we've made in helping them uh, move and forward the gospel in that city. Let's turn our attention to the screen. Good morning, Emmanuel Christian Center. This is Pastor Wayne and Christy coming at you from New Orleans, Louisiana. We are standing here in our church, Saints Community, so excited as we're just thinking about our great partnership with Emmanuel. Through so many years, you have partnered with us in missions giving and really made it possible to do everything God has called us to do here in New Orleans as we reach people for Jesus Christ. The latest project that you have given to has been such a tremendous blessing, and that is our signage. And we wanna say thank you. We purchased this building a little over a year ago, and one of the things that we've learned going door to door is that people have no idea who's in this church. It's changed hands three times in five years. And when we put the letters on the building, we put the sign on the corner, we put the street signs on Airline Highway, it was like for the first time our church exists. It was so meaningful to our people and to Wayne and I to see the signs go up and and to know that this is gonna be a beacon in this community for years to come. And I'm so excited to see so many of you in February of 2017 for our missions trip here in New Orleans during our annual Mardi Gras outreach. I wanna stand next to you and win souls as we train you on how to reach people for Jesus Christ. I'm asking and expecting dozens of you to come to New Orleans to not only reach souls for Jesus Christ, but to also see the partnership of missions and what God has done as Emmanuel has given here to us in New Orleans. We again want to say thank you so much, Emmanuel, for everything. And we'll see you in just a few months. It's exciting. It's exciting to think of the impact that we can have that goes so far beyond our own, our own, uh, our own personal reach, you know, of what we could do in, in person. Uh, you know, God is expanding our circle of influence. He's doing incredible things. You know, as all of these things that we mentioned have been possible because of your involvement and your generosity. And we are addressing uh, what, what a friend of ours has called the greatest injustice of all time, which is the unequal distribution of the gospel. That's the greatest injustice. We live in a place where we, we have so much access to God's truth and to God's hope, and yet there's places that have never heard of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And, and because of God's inviting hearts, because of Jesus' example, because of our commitment to follow him, we are committed to reach our Jerusalem, our Judea, our Samaria, in the uttermost parts of the earth. Next week, we're going to have our annual Big Give, and we're going we're gonna, to uh, be helping to further the gospel and help complete some of these projects that we still have pending and continue to partner with the list of missionaries that we have. At the end of your uh, seats, there's a bundle of cards like this. One of them has, if you want to pass those down, if you have, if you don't have one, you can raise your hand and our hosts are going to come out and give that to you. One of them has a list of our partners and missionaries. And I want to encourage you to take that and, and read it, pray for them. We pray for them every Wednesday night. One of these has a list of the projects that we've been involved in 
throughout 2016. And then another one of these has a list of the mission trips that we are going to be carrying out in 2017. We've got trips that are going all over the place. Panama, Nepal, Burma. we got Pastor David is leading a trip to Burma. And to be able to help fund the, uh, the, the meals that we are sending to the Burmese uh, refugees, there's actually a biking trip that's happening here from here to Duluth to raise funds in July. That's on here. This information is on here. I'll be leading a trip to Mardi Gras. Uh, we got all kinds of different options. Turn to the person next to you and say, has God told you to not go on a trip? Look him in the eye. Look him in the eye. Now tell him, say, I thought so. Which trip are we going to go on? Right? Now I do want to say almost 100 people throughout this year, throughout 2016, have been able to be a part of going on these short-term opportunities to make a difference in our world. And as we're, as we're heading into the conclusion of our, of our time here this morning, I want to bring you back to that scene at the table where Jesus was at. Remember when we started, Jesus was sitting here and he had the people who were jockeying for the seat of honor and then you had the host here. Then you got the guy who's the blunt, well-intentioned guy, right? And then you got, you got the, the guy who got healed. One of the powerful things of a story is the fact that we can identify with one of the characters in there. And the final thing that I want to ask you to do is to picture yourself in God's story. Who are you? Who am I? Am I so focused on, on, on promoting and advancing myself in my own journey that I become self-centered? And am I apathetic? Am I distant from the need around me? Am I, am I so... Uh, concern in serving my circle that I don't have room for generosity beyond the borders of that circle? Am I the guy who uh, tends to stick his foot in his mouth? <laughs> he's got a great heart, but sometimes he's got kind of a narrow view. Am I one of the lame, the blind, the unclean that was reached at some point and hope stepped into my own story? I think the goal of Jesus is that we would all identify with that servant, that servant who goes out, who goes out and insists and time after time says, hey, you know what, there's still room. There's still room. There's still an opportunity. There's still a window of opportunity to bring hope. The house is not yet full. There is reserve seating that needs to be, that needs to be filled. And that's our role. That's God's challenge to us today. As you're praying today, as you're praying throughout this week, ask God, what would you have me do? What would you have me do here locally? How can I serve you here within your family? How can I serve within my community? How can I bring hope to the world around me? I mean, consider these cards that we just talked about. We got tables out in the, in the lobbies. You can ask questions and just, but pray through and say, God, what would you have me do? And I think that's one of the great things a servant did. He always came back to the master of the banquet and said, hey, here's the update. And the master always had clear instructions for what was next. And God will continue to use us. We're still in a season of invitation. This is a season of grace that God is extending to our community, to our world. Amen.